and we're off. To see the wizard or not? Not right now. Uh, oh, off to see the wizard, yes. And this situation is Oscar Wilde the wizard? Yes. <laughs> yes, Oscar Wilde okay. the wizard. Um, the man begin. behind the curtain. All right. Yeah. Anyway, hi. Hello. Hi, friends. friends. It's the summer theater program. It's Rhonda and Aaron. Hi. Hello. Hello. It, yes, we are your camp counselors for yes. this theater camp. Oh, dear. And, and uh, this week, we're doing The Importance of Being Earnest. Yeah. That's which our... is actually, um, The Importance of Being Earnest is actually a prequel to the Earnest film series, like Earnest Saves <laughs> Christmas, <laughs> Earnest in the Army. Ernest goes to space. I think that's one of them. I don't know. But yeah. Probably. Just a little fun fact. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. That's real good. So. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. I wonder where that guy is now. I don't know. Was his name actually Ernest? Probably not. Let's. I'm going to look it up. Ernest. It was probably Jack or Algernon. Saves Christmas. Oh no, his name isn't actually Ernest. That's okay. kind of disappointing. It is. I now identify very strongly with Gwendolyn. <laughs> yeah, we can really see how she. Because I'm disappointed felt. that his name isn't actually Ernest. Okay, so disappointing. So we're talking about the importance of being Ernest. We are. By Oscar Wilde. We are in for a wild time. <laughs> yes, I made that pun in the last episode, and then I did it again. I don't care. <laughs> no, you know what? Frankly, she's going to keep making it. Next next episode, episode after. We don't, even have any, we don't even have any more Oscar Wilde plays, but I'm still going to do it. No. I don't care. It's still going <laughs> to happen. Okay. Oh, and we're pop DNA. <laughs> Okay. Oh um, yeah. How do we use, how do, how are we doing these? How are we doing these? The importance We're... of being pop DNA. Um, yes, we um, are like the totally disorganized camp counselors. Like yeah. I feel like this is like a this is like a Portlandia sketch where like <laughs> Fred and Carrie are the are the theater camp counselors, but they don't really know what they're doing. Like <laughs> when I was a camp theater camp counselor. I used to leave my my oldest teens in charge on the guise of having them learn leadership skills. And I used to uh -huh. go get myself coffee and leave for like 20 minutes so that I wouldn't have to deal with the kids. But then I'd say, yeah, I've really developed a leadership program in my drama mm -hmm. section. <laughs> A.K.A. me getting coffee. <laughs> me getting While coffee because I, I currently live the teens at work. in charge. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. No, that's that's like that's genius. That's a perfectly uh a perfectly sound teaching model. I'm I really for it. need these teens to learn how to be leaders when in fact I really yeah. just needed coffee. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um anyway, yes. So we will be your guides through yes. this journey of the importance of being earnest. Yes. Um Yeah, so let's uh Let's let's talk about it. Um, 
This is Let's you know talk about last time Ernest, baby. Sorry, what? Exactly. Last time we talked about Romeo and Juliet and I think, you know, like everybody knows Romeo and Juliet yeah. already. Um I think, you know, I think this uh, importance of being earnest is pretty popular. But I yeah. think it's still it's, you know, it's less uh less known. Like, I don't think that as many people know, imp- it, unless you're, like, a theater nerd or, an, or like, a literature nerd, you might not know importance of being earnest. I don't know. And I what think, is the general population? <laughs> and I, I think that whereas there are some details in Romeo and Juliet that you don't need, you need, like, the whole point of importance of being earnest is the details. So it felt important yeah. to include one here. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like the it there's like pieces yeah, like details and like pieces of it that kind of all um fit together. And it's so it's so reliant on like the wordplay and like yeah. the um like the um you know, like the line delivery in a live performance. So yeah, I think it is that's important. But anyway, well for those who you know, maybe aren't as familiar or you don't, you know, or like maybe like you saw it once or you read it once, but you don't remember very much about it. We can do a quick little little summary. Yeah. So I'm just going to read it directly from the back of my paperback copy of my Dover Thrift Editions. (laughs) Uh, it says, here is Oscar Wilde's most brilliant tour de force, a witty and buoyant comedy of manners that has delighted millions in countless productions since its first performance in London's St. James Theatre on February 14th, 1895. The importance of being earnest is celebrated not only for the lighthearted ingenuity of its plot, but for its inspired dialogue rich with scintillating epigrams, still savored by all who enjoy artful conversation. <laughs> from, the, from the play's effervescent beginnings in Algernon Moncrief's London flat to its hilarious denouement in the drawing room of Jack Worthing's Country Manor in Hertfordshire, this comic masterpiece keeps audiences breathlessly anticipating a new balmain or a fresh twist of plot moment to moment just really who who wrote this like it's it's almost as artful as some of the language in in it's, the importance it's of it's almost being like that's it's almost like they're trying to be yeah. like <laughs> like they learned some new words and they put them in okay <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> importance of being earnest. Um, yeah, so uh, I don't know like how much of the plot is important for us to kind right. of get out there for us to discuss this. Um, I guess maybe like as we're discussing if important plot points come up that we haven't talked about yet, then we can kind of do it that way yeah uh yeah 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 i think um there are some important names like jack and algernon but then he's called algae sometimes mm -hmm. um and then you have gwendolyn and cecily right 
and then you have Lady Bracknell. Yeah. Those are the the main characters that we're dealing with. But you know, in a lot of ways it's it's a lot like a Shakespeare comedy in that you have um two uh courting couples who are kind of uh foils to each other in a way, kind of like yeah. in much ado you have Beatrice and Benedict and then Claudio and Hero. So it's kind of similar to a Shakespeare comedy in that way. Yeah. Um and then every you know, everyone gets married at the end, so there's that too. Um <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh anything else that we need to preface our discussion with? I don't know. I think I think this is the most known detail, but it's a pretty scathing slash biting look at kind of propriety and mm-hmm, social sure. norms of the time. Um, and it just deals pretty heavily with all of the things that us anxious introverts have been saying for years. <laughs> like sometimes people right, just need yeah. to chill. <laughs> yeah. Like, the whole idea of, like, Bunbury. So, it's, uh, Algernon has this made-up friend named Bunbury, who he says that he, you know, it's his his invalid friend, Bunbury, who lives in the country, and he has to go and take care of him. and But he uses this as an excuse to get out of social gatherings he doesn't want to attend. So... <laughs> I would like a cardboard cutout and to name it Bunbury and just yes, reference it. I love for, that. Oh, I can't. Sorry. Oh, you could name it. You could name a pet Bunbury. <gasps> that would be really Rhonda. cute, actually. That's so funny. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh, and then I also wanted to um, just kind of point out this is this this play is also kind of like a a criticism or like a a critique of like marriage as yeah. like a societal institution you know not not marriage as like a you know a re, you know a, a personal relationship but like as a societal institution it's kind of a heavy-handed on the on the on yeah. the marriage uh yeah totally yeah and just I- a a thing to point out I think there's also some commentary on like real friends versus fake friends. I think you can Mm -hmm. look at Gwendolyn and Cecily as your frenemies, as your kind of Regina George and the rest of the um, mean girls, kind of that fake. Oh, of course we're friends. I love her so much, but actually no thanks. That kind of deal. I mean, I think like, I mean, in so far as they act like real people, um, which isn't very much, but <laughs> but like <laughs> Cecily and Gwendolyn, I think like they do end up being like you know genuinely in each other's corner by sure. the end of the play. Yeah. Um, sorry, but, I should yeah. have prefaced like at the beginning when they have some of those conversations sure. that are like. Oh gosh, what's happening? But yeah, certainly by the end everyone's good. And it yeah. didn't take a school bus to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> didn't take a school bus. <laughs> well, that happens in New Is that a reference Anywho. to something? 
<laughs> oh, in Mean Girls when she gets hit by the bus. Okay, I get uh-huh. it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's great. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I also, and I'm sure that th- that we will, um, that this will kind of be a part of our discussion in general um, as we talk about different topics. But um, also, like, this, the way that, that Wilde writes the female characters uh-huh. you know is not is not um always like uh great um totally <laughs> like the you can tell that like the way that that wild viewed women was was uh you know like you have like cecily who is you know this like ingenue like kind of a a cardboard cutout of an ingenue and then you have Gwendolyn who um you know I I think Gwendolyn has a little bit more agency and like savvy yeah um than Cecily but she is still also kind of one-dimensional right but yeah like this isn't to like excuse the the treatment of women in in this play but I mean that was you know that was pretty common for the time so yeah my friends put on a really great production of the importance of being earnest which kind of it took a look at that and kind of viewed Cecily as like Gwendolyn is taking Cecily under her wing to teach her all of these ridiculous Mm -hmm. societal things um I think that's how they kind of added depth to that female relationship. Sure. Whereas some yeah. sometimes it's a little lacking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, we we're we're talking about our thoughts on the play, but um, do you <laughs> remember your first experience with Importance of Being Earnest? Yeah, we were reading it for a college theater literature class. And so my first imaginings of it were, we got really into it, but like heated, <laughs> um, heated readings that we would do for each other each week. It was really fun. Um, and then my friends did a really great production, but then I had also seen, and we'll get to this, but I've also seen some, um, some, you know, interesting productions of it i think the first ones that i saw were in high school um what about you what was your first experience i think that the first time i had ever even heard of it um was the 2002 movie um okay starring uh reese witherspoon as cecily and um uh colin firth and rupert everett are one of them is Jack and the other is Algernon. I don't remember which is which. Um, right. <laughs> and, you know, like at the time that it came out was when like that was when I was like first really getting into Jane Austen. Um, yeah. And or I well, I think the time that I discovered it I th- was was when I was really getting into Jane Austen. Um, and so, you know, kind of branching out from that, like that, like British social commentary comedy of manners um kind of 
genre like it kind of yeah. fit in with that with you know like what I was exploring um with Austin um and so you know I really really loved the movie and you know I uh, ended up reading the play maybe a year or two later and um and then you know discovered all of Wilde's other work as well and it was a yeah. wild time did it again um again <laughs> Yeah. Forever. Yeah. yeah. Forever. Forever. Girls Gone Wild, but with an E at the end. Um. And it's just Gwendolyn and Cecily. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I I love Rupert yeah. Everett in that movie. I think he's phenomenal. Yeah. Like yeah, he's great. But there is also there is also a film adaptation of An Ideal Husband starring Rupert yeah. Everett that I haven't seen in quite a while, um, but I think it also came out around that maybe like late nineties, early two thousands yeah. as well. Um, I don't remember very much about the movie, but yeah, like it, like Oscar Wilde had a little bit of a moment. <laughs> totally in, in the around uh, yeah the early two thousands. I did. I think around that time, my. I and a few other of my friends did monologues from it. Um, from Imports of Being Earnest? Yeah, that was fun. Okay. They're fun. I want to be in this show. It's super fun. Yeah, it would. Yeah, I am not. I, I have come to, the, to terms with the fact that I am not an actor. But if I, I don't was, bel- and I... <laughs> I would want to be in the importance of being earnest. I would want to play Gwendolyn. We'll be... revisit this off mic, but I don't. <laughs> I don't support that. But anywho, <laughs> yes. Actually, Cecily would be really fun too. Like Cecily, I... like I kind of was Cecily when I was a teenager. Sure, so, like, that would be fun to play too. <laughs> Like with yeah. her like imaginary fiance that she like ra- like that was totally me. <laughs> totally. But not yeah, that yeah. I had an imaginary fiance, but like if I had thought of it, that's definitely something I would have done. <laughs> totally. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um so yeah, since you know, since we started talking a little bit about the two thousand two film are there any other what what's what have you seen any live stagings of this just play? only ones that have been done by close friends of mine um okay. and then like in high school settings um I have not I would love to I saw that they were um one was returning to either the Broadway or West End like as soon as theater opens and I really yeah. I would love to see um this on stage i've seen it on mm-hmm. stage but i would like to see it with people who i don't know and love like you know, professional kind of yeah yeah yeah. totally have you seen this show in the theater i i was trying to remember if i had seen um a community theater production i feel like i I know. I don't think I actually went and saw it. I think like I was going to and then didn't for some reason. I don't remember why. Um, but no, I don't think that I have ever seen seen a live 
staging. I have watched part of the film that they did of the the 2018 West End revival. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I just watched like some clips that were on YouTube. Um, yeah, and that was that's really cool. It's really good. You should check it out if you um, haven't already. Totally. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen a live staging and kind of disappointed about that. I know. I feel like it would be really I should, fun. I th- yeah. <laughs> I think I've seen an ideal husband in mm. the theater, and it was really fun. I love that show. The theater. The theater. The theater. Whatever happened to the theater? (laughs) That's from White Christmas. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I feel like this is one that that doesn't have as many um, like adaptations or retellings as like Romeo and Juliet or, you know, like any any Shakespeare. Um, And I think that. And you can tell me if you agree with this or if you have other thoughts on this. But I think that part of the reason why that is, is because it is so specific and it is so reliant on, like, the the wordplay and, sure. um, you know, like, the, the line delivery um, for, sure. uh, um, for certain lines. Um, and I think that that's just kind of, you know, like you can do an adaptation, but like to do, to do like a more transformative adaptation or a retelling is, is a little more difficult to capture that, um, to capture that, that, yeah. that, um, that the importance of <laughs> the importance. The importance of <laughs> being earnest. <laughs> the importance of the wordplay. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think? I think there's also, and this is not, okay, I'm going to preface this with this is not how I feel, but I have been told that it can be hard to stage a show like this in a community theater setting or even like a, a national production, like a touring mm-hmm. company. Because it is just not what we would call a Friday after work production. Like if you have just worked sure. a full 40 hour week, I have been told by producers, I don't, again, I don't agree. I would love to see this mm-hmm. at, at 7 p.m. on a Friday evening. Yes. Please. Like it's a comedy. It's a lighthearted comedy. Like, I have been told by no. some that you have to like really crane your neck and really listen and really hold on to the plot and that some people do not want to watch this at after a long hmm. work week. Interesting. Which makes <sighs> statements like that always just make me grind my gears, you could say. Right. Like, <laughs> then don't go. Like let me go see it and you don't have uh-huh. to. But um <laughs> I have and you know, told. I think that's also like even if there is any truth in that, it's kind of a self-perpetuating cycle, because Absolutely. like you know, people want to see, you know, like when people go to a community theater production or really like any theater production, like they most of the time you want to see something that you're kind of familiar with, but yeah. how do you become familiar with something that you're not <laughs> exposed to? Right. So like, uh, yeah. It's totally like, yeah, people just want to see like Romeo and Juliet or whatever, but like, I don't know. 
Yeah. If it, <laughs> if it is 7 p.m. on a Friday evening, I am never going to see I don't want to watch and Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> Absolutely not. I wouldn't watch that on a 11 on a Sunday. But importance of being earnest, I would be so excited to see, you know? Yeah. Like, I rewatched the, the 2002 movie. Like, it's in my, you know, not my... Not my most often rewatched movies, but you know, like every once in a while, like yeah, yeah I put it on. It's it's yeah. Anyway, I mean, um, what I'm really saying is, producers <laughs> who are doing community theater in the Washington area, I am available for either role. Is what I'm really <laughs> trying to say here. I think also Miss Prentice would be a really fun role. Yes, that would be yeah, that'd be fun. Um, yes. I did need to note that they also made this into a musical. And can yes. we please stop doing that? I was going that? to ask you about that. <laughs> Just, I'm tired. I'm tired of people seeing these lackluster productions and then saying, my art form is not good enough. No, just start writing real. Okay, I'm being told that I'm <laughs> being blasphemous. So I'm just going to say, apparently this became a musical at some point. And I'm not it's kind of like, it. like I so I can kind of see, like I could see more of an argument for the importance of being earnest being a musical than like Jane Eyre, and we know that Jane Eyre is a musical. <laughs> I don't get it. Apparently, it's very good, but I don't get it. I could see, yeah, you could use like a patter song. You could real like, I feel yeah, like it would be like a, it would be kind of like a Gilbert and Sullivan kind of feel to it, right? Totally. Like, um, yeah, I could see that. I'm thinking of, <laughs> this is another one but I, that we're talking about later, but I'm thinking of Richard Harris and Camelot um, as yes, I think about or what my I My Fair need. Lady. Yes. Uh, Rex yes. Harrison and My Fair Lady. Yeah. Totally. In fact, get get Rex Harrison and Richard Harris together as Jack and Algie and then we're good de-age them about a hundred (laughs) years yes do whatever you gotta do and then Vanessa Redgrave as Cecil or as Gwendolyn we just need a Cecily yes absolutely and Audrey Hepburn as Cecily perfect (gasps) bim bam boom we're done perfect bing bang boom we got it (laughs) perfection Oh, what? that's actually really great. I love that casting. I really. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, um, or Julie Andrews as Cecily, because she was in the original. Uh, she was in yes. the Broadway production of My Fair Lady. Was it Broadway or London? I don't know. Oh, anyway, man. she was in it. All, all she was in of one it. of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you have a chance to uh, read the article that I linked about the the 2019 um, London production? I did. I want to. I was like, does Rhonda want me to read that or does she want me to yeah. tell me about it? <laughs> I put it I put it in there so that you could read it. So oh, OK. Chat about it. <laughs> what was what was the what was it? What was it? What's going on? Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, this is about a staging of the play that was done in London in 2019. They call it, quote unquote, unorthodox. 
Um, okay. <laughs> because all, all nine roles are played by two black women in this production. Okay. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, which, you know, is really interesting. I think that we see that kind of like, ex- like quote unquote, experimental staging a lot with Shakespeare. But then, you know, to see to see it done with with wild is really interesting. It's really wild. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> I would love to watch that. And like, it, there's an article about this. We can link to it. Um, but I thought so. The the nine roles are split between the two actors, and then they share the part of Lady Bracknell, which I thought okay was really interesting because she. I think Lady Bracknell is kind of like the, I don't know. She's like the cornerstone of the play, I guess, because like sure. it's be- because of her, like, and you know, her refusal to let Jack marry Gwendolyn is kind of like what sets the whole plot in motion. So sure, like that kind of makes sense. And then, and this one little detail that they mentioned. So you know the the bag, yeah, that um, Jack was abandoned in as a baby. Um, in this staging, it was a branded Sports Direct um, duffel bag. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, oh, that's they great. also change. Uh, they also change the setting. So rather than you know being set in like late Victorian kind of high society, it's they set it in. Um, what does it say here? Um, an indeterminate future where concepts of class race and britishness are turned upside down i have to check this out this is amazing yeah um lady bracknell is a west african born woman married to a white british man while miss prism speaks english with a trinidadian twang so they i guess do different um different voices for each character sure fascinating Ooh, and it I yeah. see it's from 2019, so it's pretty recent. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, check this out because this is yeah. really, really interesting. But, yeah, Ooh, I I'm think ex- that's I'm such excited. a – I think it's really interesting to see, like, how these kind of quote-unquote canon works are, like, transformed and adapted into, you know – into something something that like is something that speaks to like the time that we're in rather than Absolutely. you know the time that this play was written and you know we do like you know like I mentioned like we do that we do that a lot with Shakespeare but to see that done with another playwright I think is really I want to see more of that I do too absolutely I Oh, I miss theater so much and I miss mm. <laughs> like being presented with all sorts of things to fill your head with. Oh man, I miss it. Dang it. Um, I'm going to Is there I wonder if there's like a like a recording of it. I couldn't find any videos of it unfortunately. Okay. okay. Yeah, it's just this article, but I don't know, maybe maybe there's somewhere. Maybe if you dig yeah somewhere I think 
I think it's really interesting to place Oscar Wilde in different places because you kind of have a license to make new commentary on the Mm -hmm. new societal things that are happening wherever you've placed it. You know, he's a really good one. If you want to have an open license to really talk about these weird things we humans do to each other when we're social, you know? (laughs) So tell me about the performances you've seen in high school settings. Okay. Have you got a friend settle in to hear a tell Buckle up, I'm Patty. (laughs) How about buckle up, I'm Patty, and I've got a dead body in the trunk of my car. Um, So... I, as a theater performer, as an educator, as a community organizer, all this blah, 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 blah. I have a very complicated relationship with performances of of the importance of being earnest in <laughs> high school settings. And I the will tell of, you why. The importance of being earnest in particular, like just this play, right? Yeah. <laughs> And here's why. So I have the feeling that this show is so widely done in high school theater settings without really giving the artists the tools to explore it in a meaningful way. I think. Sure. Um, I think it's a beast of a show to try like if you're looking at a theater production in a high school setting you only have so much time to Mm -hmm. explore the text with your actors and get it up on its feet and then present it to an audience and you also have a pretty limited like exploratory lens when you're looking at the school board and what they expect of a theater show for young children, or uh, I mean, I'm, I'm 30 in a month. I can call high schoolers, young children. <laughs> um, and dirty I think, 30, oh, dirty third. It's going to be a good time. Um, and <laughs> I can also see why it's done in high school because it's such an important like you can link the theater department with the um, English department and you can really mm-hmm. explore and it's a really fun character piece and it allows for actors to develop their comedic voice. But I have yeah. seen too many productions of this in the high school cafetorium <laughs> with like badly lit. It still smells like today's lasagna and mm, they haven't cut anything from this entire script. It's very long. And they haven't given the actors the time to breathe into the roles. And it just turns into like you can. And, oh, and then you throw on like the imposition of an accent. And it just feels yeah. like a really, really, really big order that these students aren't given the lessons to tackle. And thank you for letting me air that grievance. Um, it's been in my, <laughs> on my chest for like 10 years now. Um, and I think we can make it better. I think, um, I think if you took the time to really explore what is happening in the script 
and edit the script down. And then, depending on who's in your high school, decide if you need the accent. Sure. And I think yeah. if, if you did those things, you'd give your actors more of a chance to really perform this thing in a way that's unique to them. That's how I feel. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. And I think, you know, like, I I agree. Like, high, you know, high school theater, high school drama programs, um, it should it should include education. Like, it, you know, it should include, like, contextualization of the play and, sure. you know, discussions about, like, its language use and its cultural and historical significance. Um, but I think that if if we're seeing the high school play primarily as a vehicle for these students' education, I think we as audience members can't always judge what education is actually happening sure. just based on the performance. So, like, yeah, like, maybe, like, they're all doing, you know, terrible British accents. <laughs> and maybe the production value of the of the play would be better if they didn't do the accents. But maybe they're still in the learning process of how to, you know, maybe that's something that they're still learning. And, totally. and they're practicing that through the performance of this play. And I mean, like the accents is just one example because it's, you know, very noticeable, but like that, you know, could be said for like anything, you know, any kind of performance choice that, that they choose to do in this production. And I, you know, I talked in, in our, in the Romeo and Juliet discussion, I talked about how I love seeing high school productions yeah especially of these kind of like classic or like canon works because you're seeing how like this youngest generation is going to you know is going to like retell and transform this work and contextualize it for their own um their own uh their own lives and their own place in in our culture and totally i think that you know like i can i can let them have bad accents i can i can be okay with that because they're like it's it's their process that's what they're learning totally so i like that's kind of where i stand so like i get it i i get what you're saying about like do we need the accent because no we probably don't but, like, you know, there's a learning process there, I guess. Totally. And I love what you're saying about, like, how much you learn when you're actually presenting something to an audience. Like, you learn so much more right. as, a, yeah. as a performer that way. I I think my main worry is that they're not given, like... Like, there's one day of dialect work, and then they never return to it again because of, like, a lack of time or whatever. Um, sure, yeah. But definitely, and I love watching young actors figure themselves out, you know? And, like, mm-hmm. and when you were talking about um, 
kind of having them define what this play means to them in their context and in their lives, Mm -hmm. it would be really exciting to have, to give them the opportunity to maybe even like edit the piece or like look at, or maybe you have a student who's an assistant director and kind of encouraging like the their voice you know I think that could be really cool now I just feel like we're pitching an idea for us like a real (laughs) summer theater camp yes we will be your camp counselors yeah (laughs) summer theater camp but I definitely also like agree that the chance to learn and grow in front of an audience is vital and so exciting to watch I I miss mm-hmm. being able to just like go and see that, you know, it's, it's fun. It's really, really fun. Yeah. Oh, little, I know. little actors. I know. <laughs> yeah. It always makes me think of in Gilmore Girls when Kirk is doing <laughs> Tevia and his like oh 10 gosh. year old wife. <laughs> With the largest Broadway voice you ever did hear. Oh, just that like, little girl is so good. She's killing she's it. So oh, my great. gosh. But then, like, did you did you ever notice how, like, in another episode, I think in, like, season two or something, they mentioned that, like, Lorelai once played Tevya in a production of Fiddler on the Roof? I have always wanted to see that production. Absolutely right? always. I want to see that. I would she's so perfect but yeah yeah Um, oh to your point too I think it's also really important for young actors to fail on stage to a certain degree oh absolutely oh yeah like you're never gonna learn I mean first failure is part of performing like there are just nights when it doesn't work (laughs) where it's just like Either you don't do it the way that maybe you were thinking or your head's somewhere else or the audience just doesn't get what you're putting down on the table or like whatever it is. Um, And that's pretty important too. that process of like taking your final bow and then going home that night and thinking, huh, (laughs) what do I do with this information that I've just gotten? Yeah. Yeah. Again, we're just pitching a theater production, which I love. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think that's something, something that's really interesting about the importance of being earnest is that like, it almost has to be a theater production. Sure. Like this story and, you know, I'll talk about a couple of retellings in, in other formats, um, that I'm familiar with, but like, I think this story is so intrinsically tied to the to the the to theater as an art form um sure that it just like like it might work okay as a movie or you know as a a novel but like it's really meant to be in the theater totally I don't know yeah yeah, I think sometimes, at least when I'm watching a production of an Oscar Wilde work, it almost feels like you're at a party with these actual people and you're actually mm-hmm. observing society, which is how he got all of his information right. was observing yeah. in these actual social circles. Um, so I totally agree that you just, you know, you can have it as a as a movie, but it kind of loses 
something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, but speaking of which, I don't know <laughs> if you are familiar. Like, there there really aren't very many retellings of... Totally. You know, or, like, transformative adaptations of The Importance of Being Earnest. And I think that's part of why, is that, like, it, it needs to be a stage play. But um, one uh, retelling that I actually quite enjoyed um it was a web series called in earnest and uh so you know it was like during that time in like the mid 2010s when like lizzie bennett diaries was huge and so (laughs) like everybody was doing these like vlog style web series adaptations of classic works yeah like everyone was doing them so they you know this production uh company the production team did one for importance of being earnest um called in earnest oh um, i bet that's fun it yeah it's pretty fun it's i definitely recommend watching it it's all on youtube but uh, the the thing that i remember so like they set it on um a college campus okay. um and that works that works pretty well i think cuz like the characters are old enough that they could you know conceivably be getting married but they're also young enough that it makes sense that you know they're yeah but anyway um totally yeah but like the thing that I found so funny about it is that um so you know how it turned it so it turns out in in the play the importance of being earnest spoiler um it (laughs) turns out that um Jack is actually Algernon's brother like they are biological brothers and yeah. uh, Jack was like separated from their family and uh, Gwendolyn who Jack is in love with is Algernon's cousin so that means that Jack and Gwendolyn are cousins or first sure. cousins yeah. and but like they get married which you know was like per- fairly common back then Um, Right, right. But in 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 earnest, they like make it very clear that Gwendolyn isn't actually Algernon's cousin. They're they just like grew up together or something, something like that. So that like when it turns out that that Jack Jack and Algernon are brothers, that it's okay that that Jack is going to marry Gwendolyn. So sure. (laughs) And I just like I and like they. It's like they go out of their way to state we are not cousins. <laughs> we like we are not related, <laughs> right? Which I just found very funny, and yeah, <laughs> they get shirts pr- screen printed. Not cousins. Hey, we are guess not who's related. Not my cousins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's a pretty fun series. Um, definitely, if you have an afternoon free, yeah. go ahead and watch it. And then the only other retelling that I even know of <laughs> um, is actually a, a book that I discovered very, very recently. Um, like, I did, I literally did not know this existed a week ago. Um, okay. <laughs> but it was because I, um, I uh, posted on Twitter, um, why is there no queer novelized retelling of the importance of being earnest like yeah that seems like a no-brainer to me um totally you know and we well and we haven't even really talked about um 
the you know like the the queerness inherent in this play um yeah because like it's we can um <laughs> but yeah. uh so, but someone uh replied to me recommending this book called all men of genius by lev rosen um okay. and so so i bought the book um <laughs> Uh, I have it in front of me. So it is a like crossover with Twelfth Night. Cool. So the main character is a woman and she disguises herself as a man. And I think she becomes the Algernon character. Okay. But she's also Viola from Twelfth Night. So there's like a, yeah. Um, but yeah, I have not read it yet. I just got it. So, but you know, it sounds interesting. I'm yeah, I'm all for it. It's also like Victorian steampunk. So, yeah, well, let's do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't. That's those are the only two uh, um, retellings that I know of. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I don't know of many. I don't know of any. You were yeah. educating me. I don't know. I didn't know any of them. <laughs> but yeah, I think we can. I think we can still see a lot of like the echoes of of this play in other media, even if it's not you know an a direct adaptation or retelling. We still sure. see kind of a lot of the ideas, um, kind of like the. Wilde's style of like farce or comedy of manners yeah has definitely had a lasting effects in in a lot of the media um that we see produced yeah um you know I think the screwball comedy totally. uh you know like the classic screwball comedy of like the 1930s and 40s I think um we can trace directly back to not just Oscar Wilde, like, uh, you know, other other comedic playwrights around that time. But definitely Wilde is one of the was one of the most uh, influential. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or even like I'm even thinking of like um, some of those Melissa McCarthy comedies where like <laughs> there's a huge misunderstanding and everyone reacts and like, I mean, Everyone has done this, but I think of Melissa McCarthy and like Rebel Wilson and, you know, their work when I think of like, uh -huh. oh, there's a huge misconception. Let's act on it. And, you know, that kind of thing reminds me of Oscar Wilde as well. Um, yeah. Or even like, I even just think of Lorelai Gilmore and how quickly she speaks as like, mm -hmm. that happens a lot in in when we're going on our wild rides with Oscar, like it's, it's all right. kind of fast moving, <laughs> you know, keep up you guys. Do you think Oscar the Grouch is named after Oscar Wilde? I super hope so. I hope so too. <laughs> Do you think Oscar Martinez is named after Oscar Wilde? I think he would like to think so. He would like to think so. He might have that on like a dating profile or something. Was yeah. named after Oscar Wilde. Was named after Oscar Wilde. Hello. <laughs> um. Hello. <laughs> Hello. No. 
I just remembered um, when I was in college, I uh, I joined a Facebook group that was called English Majors Gone Wild. Wild with an E at the end. That's great. That's great. Okay. That's delightful. <laughs> it was wild. This is a fun script, too. There's that. I was just, you when you said that, it made me think of, like, I've seen improv shows where they'll they'll do an improv game where other people are responding to the situation um, normally or they're making it up. And then one person has a script and every like fourth line or something they have to read from the script and they can only respond from the script line that they're on. And Oscar Wilde is used for that a lot. And it's really fun. Oh, um, okay. Really Interesting. Fun. Or sometimes there are like two players on stage who are reacting um, with their own words. And then there are two who have different scripts and one might be a wild play and one might be like Beckett or Mm, something that is not wild at all um, in the way that his language flows. And it's really funny. um, I've seen wild used as like, a plot changer for these um that kind of improv game and it works mm-hmm. really well is um is the wild thornberries <laughs> um, related to oscar Wilde? <laughs> i feel like it's the inner monologue of the older sister in that like debbie was maybe her name it was written by oscar wilde <laughs> yes <laughs> totally <laughs> yeah I love it. um have we have we adequately discussed Bunbury? We did. We talked about it. Yeah. Good yeah, time. we talked about Bunbury. Yeah. We're always talking. We all about have a Bunbury. <laughs> yeah. Hold on, I gotta go take care of my friend Bunbury. I'll be right back. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> yeah, I can't be there right now. My friend Bunbury no. he needs me. Sorry. <laughs> I think that's you know that Bunbury might be Oscar Wilde's greatest contribution totally. to modern society. I. I dig it. I mean, that's something I'm going to put into practice in my own life tomorrow. Like, mm. we're Absolutely. Gonna... Absolutely. Yeah. Life applications. Practical. Absolutely. Very, yeah. yeah. In the, um, in, at the school district, we're always talking about lesson plans that you can put into practice tomorrow. And this one is a, a life lesson. Yes. Perfect. What if you had a student named Bunbury? Oh, my gosh. I once had a classroom where I had five students of the same name that were just spelled differently. Oh, I was praying for a Bunbury at that point. I was like, I can't Mm -hmm. handle this. No one knows who I'm talking to. And frankly, neither do I. Oh, gosh. It was kind of the opposite of the importance of being earnest. It was like the danger of being earnest in that classroom. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And... You know, I just, I think we also just need to mention that, like, this entire play is a dad joke. Like, it's like <laughs> he took, like, the the most, like, banal, like, ridiculous, you know, obvious pun ever in the world. And he's like, how can I write a, an entire play around this one pun that I want to use and he like reverse engineered the play around the last line and like like he just wanted he like he wrote an hour and a half play I don't even know how long it takes to perform this 
maybe like two hours. But he, he was like, I want this entire two hour play to lead into this one punchline. And yet it works. Like it's yeah. so funny and like it's so ridiculous and you don't want to laugh at it, but you do because it's funny. And that's why the whole play is a dad joke. And, you know, part of me feels as though it's because it is the absolute last line. It almost feels like when you when you're um, eating a popsicle to get to the popsicle stick and you finally get to (laughs) it and it's just right there and then that's it. That's how that joke feels to me. Like another writer might have said, oh, I want to write this character so that they can say this thing at some point. But to have the entire play end after that line is just, <laughs> it's really like, good. Really? It's so on the nose and it's like, yeah, really, 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 really Oscar Wilde. This is, mm-hmm. okay. It, it's so good. <laughs> and it's also like deceptively simple. Right. Yeah. Like the, this, this plot is not simple like no there's you kind of have to pay attention to the plot but then like yeah that's that's what the whole that's what the whole thing is it's just the importance of being earnest well and then you (laughs) told me an important fact about the meaning of earnest that kind of also changes the whole thing you know yes absolutely yeah yeah that's um the the article another article that we will link for our listeners um, about the um, the sort of sub subtext or the coding of um, like the gay coding in yeah. in uh, in the importance of being earnest. And this article is in the Baltimore Sun. I think a theater in Baltimore was staging a production, and that's why. Um, sure. put this out but um the yeah so this says um the play's title in which Ernest is spelled with an a plays with the words double function as both a man's name and an adjective to describe a person as earnest means he or she is genuine and sincere so the title of Wilde's play could be interpreted as the importance of being your authentic self but then also at the time that Wilde was writing the comedy, so in the 1890s, Ernest, the, the word Ernest had become sort of a, a, like a code or a catchphrase in London for being gay. Yeah. Um, which is like, I, ha- I like, I have to wonder, like, so like, you know, it was illegal at the time. So yeah. I have to wonder, like, how, um, like, how many people were, like, in the know about the meaning of this? Sure. And, like, how, you know, like, how many, you know, was it just people who were a part of that subculture who would have known right. what it meant? Or did, like, everyone kind of know, but but, you know, like, they just kind of were, you know... didn't like turned a blind eye to it I guess that makes me want to go I want to go back through and read the play again with that knowledge because I I did not know that um yeah and I wonder if there are ever 
any lines. I would be interested to see if there are lines that feel different based on that information or even mm, like sure. character relationships that feel changed. I wonder. I would be going to assign myself the homework of doing that. Yes. I'm not going to assign myself any more homework than I already have, but sure, go that's right fair. ahead. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. And this um this article has a lot uh, um a lot more um words and phrases that have kind of double meanings. Or even yeah. like triple meanings, like kind of innuendo meanings in there. So yeah, yeah, definitely check this out. It's very, very interesting. Oh, what a good play. Yeah, it's a fun one. Um, I do have some fun, like, I just, I, <laughs> I really appreciate this Gwendolyn quote because it's how I feel about small talk. Um, mm. She says... Pray don't talk to me about the weather, Mr. Worthing. Whenever people talk to me about the weather, I always feel quite certain that they mean to talk about, or sorry, that they mean something else. It makes mm -hmm. me quite nervous. And yeah. I feel that way about small talk around a water cooler. I'm like, oh gosh, just tell me what it is that you're trying to tell me. I don't want to. <laughs> Why? And then... Oh, it's also, it was just funny to me when Jack says, um, Lady Bracknell, I hate to seem inquisitive, but would you kindly inform me who I am? <laughs> it's this whole notion of we're also like in society, we're also terribly like sorry to ask questions or sorry to try and, you know, respond to what someone, it reminds me so it reminds me of a work email when everyone is dancing around a subject. Mm, like sure, sure, sure. when you're working as part of a team and someone says, um, instead of just saying, what did you mean by that? They'll say, oh, I noticed in the previous email that you had written this <laughs> word. What did, um, and I had a few questions based on my notes. I thought this thing, and it just made me think of this quote of, we're all so trying to be polite and whatever that we can't just ask a, a question. Like, so Jack right. says, I hate to seem inquisitive, but would you kindly inform me who I am when in <laughs> fact he should be annoyed that no one, like he doesn't know, you know? And, then... and also just kind of like the absurdity of like having to ask someone else who you are right like... <laughs> but not wanting to seem too inquisitive of course yeah. not <laughs> I would not want yeah. to we use this a lot in like HR emails when you didn't get the right paycheck I hate to bother you but I didn't get uh -huh. my check on time could you please send right. it like that kind of... oh propriety yeah. imagine uh... propriety that's our friend Oscar Wilde. And to conclude, I would like to perform the last line of this play. Do it. On the contrary, Aunt Augusta, I've now realized for the first time in my life the vital importance of being earnest. Curtain. Oh, it's so good. But, um, Tish. And that is about it for us, folks. 
my dear Rhonda, I for the first time in my life realized the the vital importance of being pop DNA. <gasps> That's perfect. Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> yes. All right, guys. Um, join us next time. What are we talking about next time? Wait, Two- is next time Dr. Faustus? I think next time is Dr. Faustus. Yes. <laughs> oh, or it, and or is and it then, Pygmalion? All I'm self-centered. All I'm thinking about is my birthday bonus. Yeah, Aaron's birthday bonus. So n- then I don't have the the schedule in front of me. So next time will be either <laughs> Dr. Faustus uh, yeah. or Pygmalion. <laughs> It's embarrassing to me, Rhonda, that I, for the life of me, cannot remember. I I can't remember. I know those are the two that we have for July, but I don't remember which order we have them in. But anyway, it'll be one of those. And yeah, it'll be a lot of fun either way. (laughs) Yay! Um, So yeah, you know know the the drill. Uh, Take care of each other and yourself. Consider changing your name to Ernest. Send us a voice message. Continue to be vigilant, even though we're saying we're opening back up. Keep keep yourself safe. Yeah. And uh, we'll catch you later. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.